Hey guys, welcome to the hashtag Get Real Woke podcast. I'm your host, Frederick D. Scott. I'm a private equity investor. I'm a business consultant. I'm a philanthropist. I'm an author, and I'm also a contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. I have over 15 years of experience in the finance industry, and I actually used to own an investment banking and advisory firm. Currently, I hold designations as a financial modeling and valuation analyst, capital markets and securities analyst, commercial banking and credit analyst, and I also hold a diploma in Islamic finance. Today is Sunday, and usually my Sundays are reserved for Q&A sessions and interviews, which now, to be honest with you, I've been slacking on, and I'm, I'm going to get back on that here shortly. But today, this Sunday, I got a treat for y'all. Oh, man. Before we get into that, though, I need everybody to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification, definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this video to let me know what you think. And if you're on an Android, hit the join button. If you're on an iPhone, click the link in the description or the link that's going to be pinned to a comment at the end of this video so you can join the hashtag RealWoke live chat community and become eligible to participate in the hashtag learn to earn cash giveaway where i am giving away a minimum of a thousand dollars every single month live right here on the hashtag get real woke podcast okay let's get into this today and you know oh my oh man wow uh, so, you know, I, I wasn't actually going to do a video on this. I actually wasn't going to do it, right? And, you know, it's interesting because what made me decide to do this is because of a cease and desist that got sent to uh, Pocket Watching with JT. And if you haven't checked out his YouTube, definitely go over there and check that out. He does reaction videos. So he's an accountant. He's an enrolled agent. Uh, he is a registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri. Um, all of that's verifiable. I actually checked myself. I did my due diligence. He definitely is definitely those things. And so far, what I've seen on, on his reaction videos is 100% spot on. So uh, I definitely, you know, support his channel. Um, I, I, I respect what he's doing over there. And so if you haven't checked that out, definitely check that out now. You know, I'm doing this video for three reasons. Number one, I want to teach the community how to vet, do due diligence, and I want to answer a very important question. Uh, number two, uh, I, the person that I'm going to be talking about initially, you know, he has a very, very large following uh, of, of, you know, our community. And that being the case, the potential for harm is, is greater than the average person that, that engages in these kinds of practices. So, that's a concern. Number number three, I didn't I didn't like the cease and desist that I saw with pocket watching with JT. I have a real problem with that. And number four, right? I I definitely take issue with some of the things that I've heard on the street regarding podcasts such as Earn Your Leisure, um, uh, Million Dollars Worth the Game, which you know Earn Your Leisure. That's a uh, Bilal. 
uh, Bilal, let me see here. Uh, Rashad R Bilal, give me a second here. Let me see. Uh, his name is uh, Rashad Bilal. And uh, and million dollars worth of game is Gilly the Kid, Gilly the King, whatever you want to call him, right? Whatever, whatever you want to call him. Like podcasts like those and and, and other podcasts, I, I'm gonna take issue with as well. And I'm gonna tell you why in a second. But first, 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 first. <laughs> okay, listen. Before we even get into him 500, which by the way, I had never even heard of him 500. I don't even know who this guy is until uh, Pocket Watching with JT did a video on him. And I happened to catch that video and I was like, oh, who is this guy? And then a cease and desist came out and I kind of started doing my own little digging and due diligence. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to talk about this. Like, I just have to. And so that's kind of how this video comes about. But before we start talking about him 500, right? I need to teach the community a couple of really important things about the finance industry that you need to know, right? So the first part of this is going to be how do you vet someone that's calling themselves a finance professional? And I need you to know, and don't worry, uh, at the end of this video, I'm gonna drop all of the links so that way you can go and you can save those links so you can do your own vetting and due diligence for yourself. Right. Because the first step when anybody calls themselves a financial anything is to go look them up. Who are they? Let's figure out who they are first. Right. And so the common designations. Right. So let's say there are there are a number of different facets in the finance industry. So you have accountants you have uh, and in the accounting space, uh, some of the things you have are somebody that's got an accounting degree. So they're an accountant someone that goes a little bit further and gets their CPA designation, that's a certified public accountant, right? So that's a credible designation, right? Getting a degree in accounting is credible, right? So one of the things I want you to understand, and it's and it's my model, is knowledge, experience, and execution ability, right? So you have, first of all, have to have the baseline knowledge to be able to be competent. You have to have the experience, right? Hands-on, real-world, applicable financial experience, which means that you worked in the financial industry, you've worked at a financial institution, you've worked at a tax and accounting house if you're an accountant, like a, uh, like let's say like a PricewaterhouseCoopers, a a KPMG, Deloitte Touche, or you know some. There are some smaller firms out there that are very reputable, very credible. Uh, or you've owned an investment banking and advisory firm such as that I used to. Uh, so, you know, these are certain things that, you know, this is financial industry experience. If you are, if you take the investment banking route, right, then you've got experience as an investment banker and you hold some designations and certifications. Now, if you want to, as a financial person, if you want to advise someone on their finances, if you want to manage third-party capital, uh, and provide advice, either taking their money and investing it for them or uh, giving them advice on where they should invest their money, then the United States, you are required to have, you are required to register in the SEC, with the SEC at minimum as a registered investment advisor. That's a Series 65 license. Now, in states where, you know, that license isn't a requirement, you are required to register your firm with the Security and Exchange Commission. So, for example, I live in the state of New York, right? State of New York does not have a state registration for investment advisors. So because of that, I had to register my investment banking and advisory firm as a registered investment advisor with the United States and security uh, with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. 
period. There is no negotiation on that. You are subject to the Investment Advisor Act of 1940. You cannot call yourself a financial advisor in the United States unless you are a registered investment advisor, uh, which means you have a Series 65 license or you have a Series 7. You are a registered representative, right? These are the minimum baseline requirements to be able to call yourself a financial advisor in the United States, period. Notice, I'm a business consultant. You will never hear me tell you that I'm a financial advisor. Why? I no longer own an investment banking advisory firm. I no longer have a firm registered uh, as an investment advisor with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. So legally, I cannot call myself a financial advisor. And to do that would be a violation of the Investment Advisor Act of 1940, right? So I need you to understand that first and foremost. So we're gonna start there, right? Now, some of the other designations that are not required but are nice to have are, for example, the CFP, a Certified Financial Planner. So if you are someone who advises people on their personal finances and things of that nature, then you should, you know, it would be smart if you got your Certified Financial Planner designation, your CFP, right? So uh, on the investment banking side, on the, uh, on the institutional side of finance, we have the CFA, which is the Chartered Financial Analyst, the CAIA, which is the Chartered Alternative Investment Analyst, right? You have your FMBA, which I actually have, your Financial Modeling and Valuation Analyst. You have your CMSA, which is your Capital Markets and Securities Analyst designation, which I hold. Uh, you have your CBCA, which is your Commercial Banking and Credit Analyst, which I actually hold. And this is for people that want to get into and deal in underwriting commercial loans and, and loans for financial institution, understand risk management policies and procedures, how they work, how to go about doing the underwriting property, how to put out the memorandums properly, how to do the due diligence properly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, if you want to get into Islamic finance, and you should probably go get a diploma in Islamic finance from the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants, which I actually hold, right? Uh, and we talked about the CPA designation. If you're in tax, right, you either want to be a CPA or you want to be an enrolled agent, right? So if you are not a CPA or an enrolled agent, and I'm going to tell you this straight up, you shouldn't be talking to anybody that's not a CPA or an enrolled agent regarding your taxes. If they are not a CPA or an enrolled agent, do not talk to them. There are, it is possible for you to not to be an enrolled agent, go work for someone like H&R Block, take like a week course and start doing people's taxes for H&R Block. Do not talk to these people. They do not have the experience necessary to be able to uh, uh, handle your taxes the way they need to be handled. So in my opinion, in my expert opinion, with over 15 years of experience, if they're not a CPA or an enrolled agent, do not talk to them, period. Period, 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 period. So I wanted to cover those things first. I wanted to give you those baseline realities, right? So these are the baseline realities that you need to understand. So if someone is talking to you and calling themselves a financial anything, check the trap. Let me see those credentials. Let me see that you have real world in financial industry experience, that you've worked at a financial institution, that you've owned a financial institution, that you've done this uh, over a long period of time. So you have seen enough circumstances and situations to where I could trust that you know what you're doing. Moreover, 
check the internet, check these websites, check sec.gov, check the CFP, check FIT, this uh, corporate finance institute, et cetera, et cetera. Check these places because if you are a designation holder, if you, especially with the SEC, uh, and you've had any issues, that's going to be a public record, right? So I want to know about that, right? I want to know, and I want explanations on what happened with that. I want customer reviews. I want to know what other customers are saying about you. But before we can even get to customer reviews, we got to get to credentials. If you don't have the credentials, you're not somebody that I want to be talking to. Let's just start there, right? So I want to put that out first, right? I wanted to explain that first because I think that's very, 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 very important. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about Kim 500. So Him 500, his legal name is Marcus Barney. So I'm going to go through and show you what I did when I started digging into Marcus Barney, right? Okay, so first of all, I went to his website, right? Funny enough, He's got two websites, one with ClickFunnels and one with a .academy at the end of the domain, which I don't even understand why you have a .academy. Could you not get the .com? Could you not get the .co? This is already questionable practices, right? Because common domains are .com, .co, .org. I mean, those are your common domains. So when I see something like .academy, I'm like, okay, so we already off in the boondocks, right? We already moving in the wrong direction. But Let's go ahead and dig into Marcus Barney. So I couldn't find a bio on Marcus Barney. So that's already a concern, right? Because see, when you are in the finance industry or you're in a highly specialized industry, you have a bio, right? If you're, if you're credible, you have a bio. More importantly, I actually went to LinkedIn, right? So LinkedIn, what is LinkedIn? LinkedIn is a professional social network. And what LinkedIn allows you to do is create... Uh, a profile where you get to list your experience and your education and other people that have LinkedIn accounts can leave you reviews right there on LinkedIn to tell everyone else on LinkedIn what they think about you and, and who you are, right? I have a LinkedIn page, right? And you're free to go check that out. Uh, it is uh, linkedin.com forward slash Frederick D. Scott. Feel free to go check that out, right? One of the first things I noticed is that Marcus Barney does not have a LinkedIn profile that I could find. And, you know, I, I spent some time looking. So, you know, it could be possible that I overlooked it. Highly doubt it. Right. So the fact that I can't find a LinkedIn profile on Marcus Barney is very concerning for me. Why? Because if you are credible in the finance industry, ask anybody that's credible in the finance industry that has the knowledge, the experience and the execution ability, and they will tell you they have a LinkedIn page. Why? Because we work hard for these credentials. We worked hard for this education. We worked hard for this knowledge. We worked hard for this experience. And since LinkedIn is a professional network where we can actually demonstrate that experience and lay it out in one cohesive format. Oh yeah, we need that. I like LinkedIn so much. If you go to my LinkedIn page, you will see that I got a gold badge. I pay every month for a gold badge. I got the premium joint, right? Because I like my LinkedIn page and my LinkedIn page is very, very important because, you know, for industry colleagues and things like that, that's how we connect. That's how we talk. That's how we see each other's profiles. That's how we comment on each other's profiles. That's how we leave reviews. So that's just where it is. So the fact that Marcus Barney didn't even have a LinkedIn page was the first red flag. Let's just start there. 
So, well, that's the second red flag. The first red flag is that I couldn't find a bio on him, right? So I, I did find a third party bio on him, right? But I didn't find a bio on his website. So that's very concerning, right? The second red flag was that he doesn't have a LinkedIn profile, which is very, 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 very concerning because, you know, for, for the claims and assertions and the things that he's teaching, uh, you know, we're going to get to that. Don't worry, we're going to get to that. But let, let's just say that, you know, we've already got several red flags happening, but I did find a third party bio and I would like to share that third party bio with you guys right now. So let me screen share. Let me screen share. So I'm going to share this bio with y'all and then we're going to talk about this bio, right? Because it is a, it, it's comical. It's comical. Now, here we are, right? Let me, let me, let me big the screen up a little bit so y'all can see this real good. I want y'all to see, oh yeah, y'all see it real good. Y'all see him real good. There he is. There go your partner, Marcus Barney right there, baby. There he go. Now let's read his bio. Let's read this bio. So it says Marcus Barney is also known as him 500. He is the creator of Recession Proof Extreme, which don't you guys worry. I am definitely going to talk about Recession Proof Extreme. Now, Marcus Barney is an experienced entrepreneur. What is your experience, sir? What is your experience? So let's dig into this a little further. He says he started doing business at 18. All right, listen. Let me stop right there and tell you that it costs, so you can set up an LLC in the state of Delaware right now for roughly about $189 or something like that, right? So if I go to bizfilings.com right now and I pay them $189, I can have an LLC. And by legally incorporating an entity, I have started a business. So if I'm at 18 years old and I pay $189, I've started a business, right? So I can say that I've been in business since I was 18. I don't care how long you've been in business. What I care about is how profitable you've been while you've been in business. What success have you had? What is your track record, sir? Your track record of success. So let's continue to read. He got into the real estate field at the beginning. So what does that mean you got into the real estate field, sir? Were you an agent? Were you a broker? Were you an escrow agent? Were you any of those? It's not clear. So when people, when, when, when you find people that have very thin bios and very broad brushstroke bios, and they're talking about finance, you need to be concerned because when people paint their bios with broad brushstrokes, no details, no uh, third-party validation, they've got nothing really credible to speak on, right? And no legs to stand on. When they when they broad brush like that, that's always a red flag. And that's not someone you should do business with because someone credible has a detailed bio, a detailed resume that can tell you point for point for point for point for point what they've done over their career, right? And that is not the case in this little bio right here. But let's keep reading, right? So let's go. So you got into real estate at the beginning, at the beginning, at the beginning of what? So I still want to know what year was this? What year was this? And so he says, after the 2008 housing crisis, he changed to sell cell phones. Okay, who goes, it, so this is the thing, right? And this is the thing about these fly-by-night gurus. Listen, so when I started my adult career, it was really when I was 17, right? So I went to the military when I was 17. I'm actually a veteran, right? So I was in the army uh, when I first became an adult. Well, really it was 17. So, you know, I, right before I became an adult and to the early part, the first part of my adult life, I was in the military. Now, 
from that point on, after I got in the military and 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 came back in in December 12, 2005, right? Once I got once I ETS got out of the military, came back to the United States, I immediately got into uh, finance. I have done the same thing every day, day in and day out since then, right? So I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do, and I'm dedicated to what I do. There will never be a time where I wake up and say. I'm gonna go sell cell phones. There's never gonna be a time where I wake up and say, uh, I think I wanna be a rapper. There's never gonna be a time where I wake up and say that I wanna do anything else except for what I do at my core, which is finance related stuff. I'm a private equity investor today, right? I'm a business consultant today. I have my own family foundation. So I deploy capital into making an impact. I'm a philanthropist. I've written six books. I'm an author. These six books are all related to finance and business development. That's what they are, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm a contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. And what I write on in Entrepreneur Magazine is business development and finance, financial literacy <laughs> related topics, right? So I'm not going to be talking about really anything else because that's what I do, right? That's what I've dedicated my life to. So it's already concerning that this guy says his cell phone, and so he, he that 2008, and mind you, I went through the 2008 housing crisis too. I did, I did. That didn't deter me from the finance industry. In fact, it was a learning lesson. It was a learning experience. And I'm thankful for that experience because I've been through a recession. So I know how it works in a recession now. So I know what to do when I've been through different economic life cycles, right? So I'm able to navigate and, and you know, adjust our family's investment portfolio accordingly based on what's going on in economic situations. Going through a recession allowed me to be able to forecast markets better, right? Because I got some really good training going through hands-on training, real world training, going through an economic, a deep economic recession, right? So it wasn't a pivot away and go into something else. No, it was a double down and learn and grow and become better. That's how you master a craft. You spend time, right? Time horizon. It takes time to master a craft, but not him. No, 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 no. Financial crisis. Oh, I'm double real estate. I'm going somewhere else. Man, let me let me try these cell phones, right? So what 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 this tells me about him 500 out of the gate, right? Is that he is looking for a shortcut, a get rich quick scheme, a way to, and he'll jump into anything. So he really, what this tells me about him 500 out of the gate, right? Or Marcus Barney, what this tells me about him is that he doesn't have any clue or idea what he's really passionate about. What he knows is that he wants to make money and he'll try anything he can to make money and do anything that he thinks he possibly can to make himself some money. That's what that tells me about Marcus Barney. But let's just continue, right? His cell phone business failed. Okay, so you've got two failures on your track record already. So now, just look, in this brief bio, there's so much said in this brief bio if you could just read through what's being said here, right? He, his cell phone, it, well, I'll assume it's his cell phone business failed because he said he didn't know the importance of finance and using his credit. So we got two failures. So your track record, sir, out the gate, halfway through your little brief bio, sir, speaks to failure. Half your bio is failure. Make it make sense, right? 
All right, let's keep it going, right? So he says that he learned from his failure and started the world of finance and credit or start, I guess that's gonna be started in the world of finance and credit. Today, he runs a successful business in real estate investment and credit repair. He also sells online courses to teach finance. So, okay, wait a minute. He learned from his failure and started in the world of finance and credit. Here is the key takeaway that I want you to take away from this, right? It doesn't say he went to college and got educated and got the baseline foundational uh, knowledge and credentialing to be able to start the road of finance. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he went to a credible, accredited, respected, finance industry accepted, right? trade school like the corporate finance institute he didn't do that that didn't happen right so he didn't go out and get any credentials he didn't go out and get any certifications what he did was from what i'm reading here he went on google he googled a few things he read a couple of things on google he liked the way it sounded he perfected a little pitch and then went on and got in and, and got into the world of finance now from listening to, to, to JT, pocket watching with JT's video on this, I, I, I've heard that, <laughs> that Marcus Barney calls himself a financial strategist. This is hilarious to me because like a JT, I have been, so I've been in the industry for 15 years. I have never heard of a financial strategist. I have no idea what that is. I don't know what that is. I know what a financial advisor is. Mm -hmm. I know what an enrolled agent is. I know what a certified financial planner is. I know what a registered representative is. I know what a chartered financial analyst is. I know what a financial modeling and valuation analyst is. I know what these things are. Nowhere is there a license or any type of credentialing available that is titled a financial strategist. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It doesn't exist. So basically what he did, right? He read a couple of things on Google, right? He picked up the, when I tell you the bare minimum, I mean the bare, 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 bare minimum. I'm talking about my children probably know more about financial literacy than he does, right? <laughs> and he decided to call himself, he created a title. I'm a financial strategist. And then he ran off and started a business. And here we go, right? This is the danger in our community. See, people like this, they're like cockroaches, right? And so the problem with it is that these guys, right, they, <laughs> oh man, these guys, they're like fly-by-night gurus. They're not real. They're not credible. They have nothing to, to stand on to point to anything that, would, that, that is credible, that, it, that would boost their bona fides. Nothing. So, you know, this is the concern, though. The concern is that these people are able to get away with this kind of stuff for a couple of different reasons, a few of which I'm going to talk about a little later, but one of which is because the level of financial literacy and business development knowledge overall in the African-American community is so low. So if you go Google a couple of things on the Internet and you perfect a little, a little uh, what would what, what I say, a little pitch, right? It'll sound good to a group of people who don't really know any better, right? But for people like me who've been doing this a long time, bro, we see you. 
Marcus Barney, I see you. I want you to know that I see you, right? With all four of these eyes. I see you real clear, baby. And even though that right eye be wandering sometimes, you get a little sleep, baby, I see you. I ain't missing. See, I can see you with one eye. Uh, Ray Charles can see you. Like I could be Ray Charles blind like this and still see you, bruh. You are nothing of credible in the finance industry. But I'm going to demonstrate that a little further, right? So let's take this a little further. I, oh, man. Let's take this a little further, right? So now let's talk about his um, recession-proof extreme. Okay. So based on my research of his recession-proof extreme, and I'm, I'm going to stop the screen share real quick because I'm going to pull up another one in a minute. So based on my research of his recession-proof extreme, I found out that, you know, what's publicly available online states that his course costs $3,497. All right. <laughs> oh, man. And this is how another way that we can know that this guy is not credible and has absolutely no real finance experience. He's never been a financial advisor. He's never had to really strategically help a person build a budget. He's never had to help a person cut expenses. He's never had to help a person figure out how to be able to allocate income properly to be able to save and invest consistently over a period of time. You know he's never done that, right? And let me tell you how you know he's never done that. So the average annual income in the African-American community right now is $30,134. So to charge the <laughs> to charge $3,497 for a course, what you're essentially saying is that I want 12% of the average African, roughly 12%. So roughly 12%, it's actually a little lower than that. It's about 11 and a half, 11.2, somewhere in that. But we're just going to round it and call it a 12%. So what, what, what we're saying here is this guy with no credentials, no experience, no nothing, wants you to give him roughly 12% of your annual income to buy his course. Yo, make it make sense. Yo, I cannot. Like, this is hilarity to me. It's comical. Like, it is, like, if you knew better, if you really had the experience, you know good and well that there is no way that you should be charging $3,497 to anyone in the African-American community when you know the average annual salary. Make it make sense. So this is another way that we know that he's so so we we do the brief background look and we already know that he has no industry experience. We know he's not credible. Right. But then we go and we look at the cost of his course and it speaks to it even further. Right. Because if he knew better, if he had the experience and credentials, he would never be pricing his course that high. That's crazy. What you're doing, sir, Marcus Barney, let me tell you what you're doing because you're too undereducated to know any better. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're actually crippling the average African-American. You're forcing them because the average African-American at $30,134, right? So what they're ha what's happening to them and one of the biggest, so when you have experience doing this, what you understand is that one of the biggest issues is that they have a hard time being able to save because the average annual income, 
by the time they get through expenses, pretty much sucks up most of their average annual income. So what you're telling them is to either a don't pay your bills for a month or two and give me the money or three and don't and give me your money. Or you're telling them to borrow the money, take out debt to buy a course that has no guarantee that it's actually going to succeed and 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 generate them that money back and more. Make it make sense. And the crazy part is because I saw your video, sir. I saw where you did, and I'm getting ready to play it for the community right now. I'm going to break you down real decent, right? Because for you to be charging $3,497 based on what I heard in that video is a travesty. It's a tragedy. It's criminal, sir. It's criminal. That's what it is. But we're finna get to that, right? So that that is my that is that we don't even need to talk anymore about his recession-proof extreme course because the price point already prices that out of the market, right? So nobody should buy that course at that price point. That's stupid, right? Don't put yourself in debt to buy a course that you're not even sure is going to work from somebody that is not credible enough to even be issuing courses. Yeah, I'm getting tight. I ain't even gonna lie, I'm getting tight. The more I talk about this, the more it pisses me off, to be quite honest with you. But let's keep it going, right? So now, 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 what really made me get into this, I'm about to put my banking hat on in a second, so y'all know I'm about to put this banking hat on. So look, so I saw the video first on Parking Watcher with JT. I actually went and found the video, and I actually want to play this video for y'all, and I, I want to break this down from a banking standpoint. I appreciate what JT did, right? So I appreciate his breakdown, but I'm going to break it down from a banking standpoint. So here we go, right? And a legal standpoint. Like, I, I want to I hit both, both. You know what I mean? All right. So we're going to do this screen share, right? Here we go. Let's get into this video. Let's get into this video. Let's share this audio too, because I want to make sure y'all hear real, real good. All right, let's play this video. Right here we go. Let's start. If you got somebody coming out the street, so it must be straight to a demographic of what you said. You got a lot of niggas that's gonna come out here and be like, I ain't got shit, fuck that credit. Right? But in reality, they don't know is that if I come with a bank where I got 50000 and I'm not willing to trust nobody to invest, what I'm going to do is I will go to a bank. You can go to Navy Federal, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the best. You go to Navy they're Federal right now and apply for an auto loan. You could pull a VIN number off of a car gurus. They'll give you a loan if you say, okay, look, I'm going to to play. All right, let's stop right there, right? So we're going to stop right there for a second. I'm going to play some more of this video, but we're going to stop right there for a second because I want to tell you something. Anytime someone says, I want to give you the play, yo, we don't talk like that in finance. Like We don't even, I'm going to give you the play. Yo, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give you the trick. I'm going to give you the game. Like, giving the game, cool. I'm going to give you a trick. I'm going to give you a play. Boom. When you start talking fast and start doing stuff like that, bro, I'm automatically concerned. Like, I'm going to just put that out there. I'm automatically concerned. But he's already said several wrong things. But I'm going to go ahead and let the video play first all the way through. And I'm going to break it down, right? I'm going to break it. Like, I'm, I'm going to go and break this down. So let's play this video. You're going there, so I need 100000 right? <clears throat> What's your credit got to be? 700 plus, right? I give a blueprint on this show how to build your credit report out in detail. You go to Navy Federal, say, listen, I need to get 100000 you get a car guru VIN number, and when you get the VIN number, you put it and mark it down ten thousand. They cut you the check twenty four hours. What? A cargo? Say that again. Car, car guru. guru. Car Just get guru. a VIN number. Right. Take life on the loan. Right. They gonna cut you the check twenty four hours. You got ninety days to give them the title. If you don't give them the title, it turns into a personal loan. So they just legally gave you the loan. It ain't nothing illegal. It turns into a personal <laughs> loan. 
All right, I'm done with that. So we're gonna stop that right there, right? Because like that, that is that is more than enough, right? Okay, so let me put my banking hat on, right? Let me let me go ahead and put my banking hat on. And let me talk to you as an underwriter now. I'm gonna talk to you as an underwriter, I'm gonna talk to you as somebody in the financial risk department, right? So a financial institution's financial risk department, that that works with compliance, the financial risk team, and usually as part of that that whole little group right there. Usually if the financial institution is large enough, they usually hire retired law enforcement officers that actually used to investigate uh, white collar type crimes uh, as detectives and they bring them in to come work for them as well. So they usually retire to former law enforcement officers as well. So you have a group of law enforcement officers, you have a group of former law enforcement officers, people that have been trained and certified in financial risk uh, policies, procedures, management, etc., and people that have been trained in compliance, right? Okay. He mentioned Navy Federal Credit Union. This is the stupidity of this guy. You never know who's watching your content. Bruh, not only am I a veteran, so I'm very familiar with Navy Federal Credit Union, but I actually know people that work there in these departments that are senior in the bank overall. I know people like that too, at Navy Federal. So you tell me, bro, would it be wrong of me if I sent your video to Navy Federal Credit Union to people that I know over there? Because I guarantee you, if I send it over there, it's a SAR report automatically. And we're gonna talk about SAR report in a minute. You see what I'm saying, bruh? Like, cause what you're talking about is bank fraud and I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, so first of all, right? Is it practical? Is what he's saying practical? What he is saying is that you go get to car gurus, you get a VIN number, you give the bank a VIN number, you have an over 700 FICO score and they're just gonna cut you a check in 24 hours and then they're gonna, re all they require is that you bring the title within 90 days and if you don't bring the title within 90 days, they're just gonna convert it to a personal loan. Lies, 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 lies. I've been doing this for 15 years. It doesn't work that way. Let me tell you how it really works, right? So first and foremost, right? If you are going into the bank to get a loan for a vehicle, that is what we call in the financial institute in the, in the finance world, right? In the financial institution world on Wall Street, we call that a collateralized credit facility. That's what that's called. Okay. It's a collateralized loan. That means we are loaning you a piece of money on, or I'm sorry, we're loaning you some money on a legend for this intensive purposes, a vehicle. And we are going to protect that money by securing and perfecting a lien against that vehicle. Right? So that's first. No. Navy Federal Credit Union is certainly not going to just cut you a check in 24 hours because you gave them a VIN number. Here's what's going to happen. So first of all, when you come in and say that you want to buy a car, they're going to ask you what type of vehicle you want to buy, how much does the vehicle cost, et cetera, et cetera. Then they're going to do a soft inquiry on your credit report to get you pre-approved, right? Remember, that's only pre-approval. What they're saying is based on your a, a preliminary look at your credit and a preliminary discussion about your financials. They believe that there is a greater than not likelihood that you can potentially be approved for a collateralized loan 
to buy the vehicle that you want to buy. So that's the first step, right? Now, the second step, now that you've been pre-approved, now you go and talk to your dealership, you decide that you want to buy this car, right? So now what happens is your dealership is going to try to offer you in-house financing. If you tell them that you already have a bank that you're working with, they're going to ask you who the bank is, right? Because remember, for the dealer to let you drive off the lot with the vehicle, they got to make sure that the money is, is going to be coming. So they're going to reach out to your financial institution. If you give the financial institution a VIN number for a vehicle on Car Guru, they're going to reach out and check to make sure that you're actually in a purchase and sale agreement to purchase that car. Bro, you cannot just give a VIN number. Like, bro, do you... To say the things that he says is an insult to people like me who actually have done this for years. What you're telling me, Sir Marcus Barney, is that everybody on Wall Street is idiots and that we haven't thought about these kinds of schemes already and put policies and procedures and risk management practices in place to prevent the very thing that you so publicly and crassly talked about on the Internet from happening. Are you crazy? Are you dumb? Are you dumb? Bro, so first of all, so now once we go ahead and we start the underwriting process, right? Now we're going to go through the five C's of lending, collateral, character, capital, conditions, and capacity. We want to make sure that, you, are you putting down a down payment? If you're trying to drive off 100% financing, you're trying to get 100% financing for that loan, buddy, your income better be strong. Your character and income better be strong. Because if you got great credit and no job, you're not getting a collateralized loan unless you put down a substantial deposit. Period. Period. And even then they still likely will deny you. Why? Because you don't have any income. Make it make sense. Moreover, right? Let's take this a step further. So now, after I've done all of the, once I've gone through the five season lending and I, you know, I'm satisfied, I want to finance this loan, we are going to reach out to the car dealer that is selling you the car. We're going to let them know that you've been approved for the loan. We're going to move the money into an escrow account that is for their benefit. We're going to require as a condition of funding, as a condition of releasing the proceeds to the car dealership that they have. We're going to, well, the other thing we're going to do is send them paperwork, right? That allows them to perfect the lien. We want to make sure that they sent that paperwork to the DMV and that the DMV is in the process of registering that lien on the title before we release the money to the dealer to let you drive off with the vehicle. We're going to want confirmation on that once it's filed. If we don't get confirmation, depending on the financial institution in a certain amount of time, we are going to call the loan due and payable immediately. We are going to unwind that transaction. So when you say that you just pull a VIN number offline and walk into Navy Federal Credit Union, it is a slap in my face, sir. I take personal offense to that, bro. I take personal offense to that because that could never happen. That never happened. You think an industry of very well-educated, intellectually gifted people are going to let someone like you come into our institutions and rob us that stupidly? Yes. Does financial fraud happen? Yes. Do banks get defrauded out of money from time to time? Yes. But it's never with stupid stuff like that. That's not going to fly. I'm just putting that out there. Point blank, period. 
ain't gonna fly. But let's say you try that. You take a VIN number in there, you try to da, 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 all of this nonsense that you put out on your video. Do you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna file a SAR report, what's called a suspicious activities report. And we're gonna file that with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. That is an amalgamation of federal enforce law enforcement agencies such as the SEC, the FBI, the Department of Treasury, Department of Homeland Securities, Secret Service, DEA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, we file a SAR report with them. Once we file that SAR report, they're gonna tell us what to do. They may tell us to fund the loan, and once they tell us that, mind you, we're insured, we're protected at that point, we're gonna get our money back. But they may tell us to fund the loan so they can see what you do if you're actually really going to commit this fraud, right? They wanna nail you and build a case, right? So a lot of times, so if you pull this off, Marcus Barney, you're an idiot even more because what you don't realize is you've got a SAR report out on you, sir. You're already being investigated, you dummy. Like, that's how crazy what you're talking about is. And that's your lack of knowledge. That's because you've never done this before. You've never done this for real. You don't really have the, you don't have credentials. You don't have experience. You have nothing but a big mouth. You're just running your mouth, talking foolishness, right? And so that's the problem here. And people are listening to you believing that this is real. It's not. I'm telling you as somebody with 15 years in the finance industry who actually used to own an investment banking and advisory firm, it ain't happening. It ain't happening like that, right? So now, so that's that, right? So he, that, 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 that's, that's how that works. And I'm not gonna go into all the details because you know I, I imagine that quite a few people are gonna see this video and I don't want any would-be scammers to learn anything too much of the internal workings of, of the financial institutions so they can try to figure out a way to work around it. So I'm speaking in very uh, uh, broad strokes here because I don't wanna go into the details on purpose, right? Because again, like, you know, there's a lot of people out there watching these videos. You never know who's watching and what they'll try to do with the information that I put out. So I'm very strategic about what I put out when I start talking about the internal workings of financial institutions. That's just it. Now, that's in 500. So, the, so to answer your question, is it practical? No. Is it fraud? Yes. If you lie on a bank application, if you go in there and say that you're trying to secure a collateralized loan for one thing, and let's say hell freezes over, everybody's asleep at the wheel and they actually fund you for that loan and you don't go do that right, that's bank fraud. The moment you move that money from that institution, it's wire fraud and money laundering. Well, it's wire fraud. The moment you begin to invest that or use that money and put that money into other things, buy things, do things like that, you buy bags, buy cars, buy shoes, or start a business with it or whatever, that's money laundering. So what he taught you is bank fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering. That's what he taught you, right? So let's just be very clear about that. So is what he's saying practical? No. Is it legal? Hell no. Absolutely not. It is not illegal. It is 100% illegal. And 100% will get you in jail. You will go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And I want you to know that even if everybody was asleep at the wheel and he was able to somehow successfully pull this off, I want you to know that their every loan agreement has an acceleration clause that can be triggered on very uh, a very broad set of events, one of which is fraud, discoverable fraud. One of which they're not, Navy Federal Credit Union is not gonna take that loan if you don't bring the title in in 90 days and convert it to a personal loan. 
they're going to activate the acceleration clause and call the note due and payable immediately. They want their money back because they didn't approve you for a personal loan, you child. They approved you uh, a personal unsecured loan. They didn't approve you for a personal unsecured loan, you child. They approved you for a collateralized loan. So if there is no collateral, they want their money back, you child. But you would have never gotten that far anyway, unless it's only to build a case stronger against you to put you in prison, child. So now, that is what I wanted to say about him 500. So I hope I broke that down very clearly for y'all, for y'all to understand that, right? So I kind of knew this video would be a little bit longer than I, I, I tend to do videos because usually I only go about, you know, latest an hour, but I got more to say. Let's get into the earn your leisure cease and desist that went to pocket watching with JT. So first and foremost, right, again, so one of the first things I did, right, I want to understand who the lawyer is that sent this. The lawyer's name is Amy Orafo. Um, and I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, but hey, whatever. Uh, because at the end of the day, check this out. When I saw that cease and desist come out, first of all, I thought maybe that wasn't even a real attorney, that somebody just found some letterhead somewhere and copied and pasted some stuff they found on the internet onto letterhead and sent it out to JT to try to scare him, right? Because I couldn't believe a lawyer that knows anything about intellectual property law and copy and the Copyright Act, right, would actually take the time to send something like that out, right, to be honest with you. Because so Section 109 of the Copyright Act gives you right to fair use. So you can make criticisms, commentary. In fact, I have the disclosure at the bottom of this video in the description of this video, specifically because, you know, I imagine that at the end of this video, cause I'm ethering these cats today. I got a feeling that earn your leisure might try to have their lawyer send me some stuff. Make sure you send it to the right place. Send it to info at frederickdscott.com, by the way. Make sure you send it there, uh, by the way. Uh, and make sure you address it properly to Frederick D. Scott LLC. Me and my lawyers on standby, baby, we ready. We ready, ready. <laughs> I ain't even concerned. I know I'm well within my right on this video right here, baby. So go and waste your time, waste your money, waste your effort and energy and send that thing over here. But understand that when you do that, right, you open the door with me. And when you open that door, uh, I hope you got a little money in your pockets because I'm, I'm coming to take a look at those pockets. Understand that. You waste my time. You waste my effort, you waste my energy, you waste some of my capital and paying legal expenses to defend myself. You best damn believe I'm hitting your pockets. So, you know, try lotto, bruh. Don't try me. I ain't the one. I just look like this. Bruh, I, I always got lawyers on standby for foolery from, from people like y'all. So let, let's just put that out there for the record. I just wanted to get that out there for the record too. Now, when I actually looked up the lawyer, I find her to actually be, she's actually a real lawyer. And what's crazy about it is she's, she, she was an adjunct professor at Georgia State University. And again, I'm looking at her LinkedIn. You see what I'm saying? When you're credible, you have a LinkedIn, right? So she was an adjunct professor for Georgia State University College of Law. She's of counsel to uh, another law firm, Taylor English Duma, LLP. She's an adjunct, uh, she's adjunct faculty or an adjunct professor over at Kennesaw State University currently. She actually also sits on the board for the Recording Academy. She says when you look her up that she specializes in uh, corporate law, intellectual property, and I forgot what the other one was, but I actually did go to her website when I was doing my due diligence. 
So, you know, what I really wonder, and I'll explain this to you when I get a little further down in this video, I wonder if she represents them in a general capacity. Does she have a general engagement with Earn Your Leisure or does she have a limited engagement and the limited scope of her engagement is intellectual property representation for Earn Your Leisure? Um, that's going to be very important to, 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 to her and, and her license, uh, as, and I'll demonstrate that. Uh, I'll, I'll explain why in a second, right? So to sum up the, the so, so the lawyer's real, right? So to sum up the, the cease and desist, so what JT, uh, what Pocket Watching with JT did, right, was commentary, it was criticism, it was opinion. It, he, he used the name, image, and likeness for commentary. That's fair use. Criticism, educational purposes, that's fair use under Section 109 of the Copyright Act. So there's no copyright infringement by putting earn your leisure in the title. I'm concerned as to, as an intellectual property attorney, how you even thought that you were going to even send a letter that had any merit, weight, or credibility, or how you would even think that you would advise your accounts, your, your clients to take federal legal action. Like what federal legal action? When you go to court with that, that's going to be dismissed illegally. I mean, uh, immediately, not illegally, but immediately uh, because of Section 109. And I would think that as a professor, as someone that sits on a board for a pretty well-known organization, as a, a barred attorney who practices corporate and intellectual property law, I would think that you, since you teach law students, would know that. I know that and I'm not a lawyer. Make it make sense. Right. So the earn your leisure cease and desist was petty and disrespectful and stupid. And what it really showed is the lack of uh, competencies uh, at earn your leisure. And it actually bodes poorly uh, for the lawyer that actually sent that out. It's scary to think that you're actually teaching future lawyers. I'm concerned. So interestingly enough, I wonder what you're teaching over there. Let me look at your LinkedIn and see what you're actually teaching over there. Uh, so you don't, so it's not clear what she's teaching at Kennesaw State University, but I would wonder, just a thought, you know, not saying I'm actually going to do it, but I would wonder how your, uh, your, 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 <laughs> the chair of the legal department would feel if an email came over there with your cease and desist letter the video itself and section 109 of the Copyright Act. I wonder how comfortable and how confident they would be in your ability to educate future lawyers at that point. Hey, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, not saying I'm doing it, not saying I'm gonna reach out, but I'm just wondering how they would feel about that, right? Because, I mean, you're looking real incompetent with that one right there. I'm gonna just, just put that out there. You're looking real not credible putting out something like that, right? So, now that I've covered the earn your leisure cease and desist letter, which is a waste of time, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. I think I've got toilet paper worth more than that cease and desist letter. And the value of your cease and desist letter, if you send one over here, will be worth less than the toilet paper I wipe my behind with as well. So I just want to put that out there for the record. But hey, if y'all want to waste the money, go for it. Like, just understand I don't come in for them pockets. I need it. I need it. I need it. So I hope you ain't buying too many chains and cars because I'm going to need it. I'm coming for that full on for sure. Now, let's move on. Uh, so now I want to talk about 
earn your leisure in general, right? And I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about million dollars worth of game too. And so let's talk about that. Now, earn your leisure. Here's the interesting thing. So the word on the street is, now I want to say that I have not confirmed this. It's really difficult to confirm if you're not actually a party to the transaction. So I have not confirmed this. So I'm telling you what the word on the street is. So full fair disclosure, this has not been confirmed. But the word on the street is that million dollars worth of game and earn your leisure, which is Gilla the Kid and this uh, Rashad Bilal gentleman over at Earn Your Leisure. So Rashad Bilal is at Earn Your Leisure. Gilly the Kid, Gilly the King, whatever the hell his name is, is uh, uh, over a million dollars worth of game. From what I understand, is that they're charging people to show up to their podcast and anybody that's got the money to pay can get on the podcast. That's what I understand. That's what I've heard. That's the word on the street. I've also heard, right, that uh, with as it relates to him 500 or Marcus Barney, whichever one you want to call him, I've also heard that the reason why Earn Your Leisure is pushing him so hard and million dollars worth of game is pushing them so hard is because they're actually getting a cut of that $3,497 course fee that he's charging. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. But if that is true, earn your leisure and million dollars worth of game, y'all got a problem and y'all don't even realize it because again, y'all are like children. Y'all don't do your due diligence. Y'all don't know no damn better. So of course y'all will put yourselves in a stupid predicament that could potentially put you in jail and is likely going to put you in jail by the time this is over with. But let's get into that, right? So I wanna start with a video. So let's start with a video, right? Cause I wanna demonstrate another thing. So let's start with a video. So Earn Your Leisure, the boys from Earn Your Leisure were actually on um, The Breakfast Club. And I found some interesting things when I actually listened to the video and I want to make sure that, so I've shared the screen. I just want to make sure I get to the right parts. So one is 43, 043. So let's back up to 043. Let's go ahead and uh, wait, wait, hold on. Let me make sure I, I included the sound there. Let me stop the screen share. Make sure I included the sound here. Hold on. I want to, I want to make sure I included the sound so y'all can hear it real good. I want y'all to hear this, right? So here we go, right? So let's get into this. Now, Troy is my best friend in life. He's a teacher. He was teaching in the Bronx. Okay, and, so let's um, stop you know, right there, right? We're going to stop right there. Going to the school. And so Rashad Bilal says that he's a financial advisor by trade. Now, I want to stop that screen real quick, and I'm going to come back. But I want to stop that screen real quick, and I want to show you something. So I actually looked him up, right? And I believe this is him. I believe. Uh, you know, I believe he's based in New York, and I believe that this is him. So he is, according to what I see here, if this is actually... Rashad Jalil Bilal, he is actually a, a registered investment advisor with the Security and Exchange Commission. Moreover, um, he also has some other licensing with the Security and Exchange Commission as well, right? Here's the problem with that. Here is the problem with that. Let's talk about that. If you are, as a registered investment advisor, right, you're subject to the Investment Advisor Act of 1940. But moreover, because you're registered with the Security and Exchange Commission, sir, 
I want you to know that you're responsible for all the rules, laws, regulations, policies, and procedures that are put out by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, up to and including the Security and Exchange Act of 1933 as amended, right? I want you to know that because that's very important for you. Because see, if you're getting paid from these courses, and if these courses are anything like what he talked about on that podcast episode, sir, I want you to know that you are engaged in a conspiracy to commit wire fraud, bank fraud, and money laundering. So that means because you're getting paid, you and because you put him on the platform and keep promoting him for money, you keep promoting what you should know as a registered investment advisor is a scam, is fraud, is illegal, right? I want you to know, right, that you are aiding and abetting federal crimes, right? And because of that, you would be subject, if an indictment comes out, you would be named in the indictment as well as a co-conspirator. I want you to know that. You and your little education partner over there, right? So because you have that license, you have a higher sense of responsibility, right? You have a higher sense of fiduciary obligation. I want you to know that, right? You are held to a higher standard because you hold that license. So if that is you in the investment advisor uh, in the RIA database at sec.gov, I want you to know that you have a big problem, sir. But even if that isn't you and you don't hold a license, you still have a problem because you are still aiding and abetting a fraud either way it goes. It's just with a license, you've abused the position of trust. And so you get an enhancement in the United States sentencing guidelines for that. So I just wanted to put that out there for the record too. So let's just start there. Now, million dollars worth of game, gill of the kid. This applies to y'all too. This applies to y'all too. If y'all are doing that, you can't say you didn't know. Now, here's the crazy thing, right? And I want to play a little bit more to earn your leisure video on The Breakfast Club because I, I found it uh, uh, baffling. So let me get there. Let me uh, fast forward it to the right part, uh, 608. Now, remind you, now, I want you to remember that Mr. Mann here, uh, Mr. Bilal here, actually does have a registered investment advisor license. Uh, if, that is, if, if that is him who I found in the database, he is a registered investment advisor. So this comment here baffles me. So I'm gonna go ahead and play this comment. Give me a second. Let's get to 605 in the video. Give me a second here. Let me pause that, back it up, because it just started playing. All right, so so because I, I really want y'all to hear this comment, right? I, I want y'all to hear this. Because remember, he should know better. He should know better because he's licensed, right? So he should know better. See, that's the problem with being licensed. Once you're licensed, you're accountable for that knowledge. You're accountable for everything. In the, in the security, uh, in the SEC rules and regulations. But let's go ahead and come on back to this and let's take a look at this, right? So check this out. This is what he said. <laughs> Charlamagne brought her up. No, but I did not. You, <laughs> yes, you did. But how do you uh, go between, you know, who's telling the truth or who's not? How do y'all do y'all do diligence? Yeah, I mean, we try to do as much research as we possibly can, especially now, God, God fortunately, um, God has provided us with a huge platform at this point. So it's, it's a lot easier, but sometimes it's difficult because it's like, Everybody has different opinions and there's different stories. So you so so let's stop there and let's get into that, right? So he says it's hard to do due diligence. He says it's hard to tell who's real and who's not sometimes, you know, because everybody has a different opinion. Sir, Mr. Blau, Mr. Financial Advisor, I need you to understand that this is black and white. It's not difficult at all. 
Do they have the licensing and credentials? Do they have credible industry experience and a credible track record, right? Do they have the ability to execute? Do they know what they're talking about? It's that simple. All of this can be researched. And I just demonstrated how easy it was to do that with Marcus Barney. So if you really knew what you're doing, even though you're licensed, you're still incompetent, which means that you, sir, and your little cohort over there, your little compadre over there, right? Whatever his name is, because I don't even know his name and don't even really care. But here's the thing, right? Neither one of you should be allowing people in the financial industry to come on your podcast if you do not have the command of subject matter and competencies to be able to vet them properly. If you do not know what you're doing, stop allowing people on your podcast because you do not that that are in the financial industry because you do not have the requisite skill set, tools, skills, ability, nothing to be able to tell if they're real or if they're not. You don't know what you're doing. In that aspect, you are incompetent. You are undereducated. And so therefore you shouldn't have people on your podcast in the financial industry. If you don't know how to vet, and here's the crazy thing, right? Not only do you have a license, sir, not only are you calling and touting yourself as a financial advisor, but you have a lawyer who says, according to her website, that she specializes in corporate law. Why don't you reach out to your lawyer to help you vet these people? Because she should know how to do KYC and AML, or at least a basic amount of vetting and due diligence. She specializes in corporate law. Why are you not reaching out to her? So you're without excuse. So for you to continue to put on people that are promoting fraud, right, baffles me. For you to have somebody on your podcast that is promoting fraud, that is talking about fraudulent things that you should know are fraudulent because you're licensed, to say that you don't know how to vet people or it's hard to vet people because everybody has a difference of opinion, when you're a licensed registered investment advisor and when you have a lawyer that specializes in corporate law is beyond me. So I think that's a lie because you have the adequate resources to be able to utilize to do the proper vetting. I think you're lying. I don't think you care. I think honestly what it really is is that you're just so interested in the, in the quick money and if people are willing to pay you the quick money to get on the podcast, you're willing to take it irrespective of who they are and you're going to push and promote them and, and, and support them for PC of you know a piece of their money uh, residually. That's what I think. I think the money is more important than the actual credibility, vetting, and due diligence. And here's the crazy part. And this goes for a million dollars worth of game and Gilly the Kid, too. Because this is how stupid you guys are. I want you to know how stupid you are, right? There are credible people in the African-American community, right, that you could most definitely bring on. Like myself, Pocket Watching with JT, Orlando Minor, who are going to put out the real facts, real information, real knowledge, have the credibility, have the knowledge, have the experience, have the credentials, have all of that. And it would actually strengthen and boost the reputation of your podcast. You'd actually get more followers that way. You would actually make more money that way. You would actually do better for yourselves long-term that way. So what you're really doing is cutting off your own nose to spite your face. So I just want to put that out there, sir. You are cutting off your own nose to spite your face. And you're going to potentially find yourself in a criminal indictment. If you are getting PC on this, on this guy's courses, when you're supporting and promoting this guy, right, you're promoting and perpetuating fraud to the African-American community. And that being the case, you will be subject as a co-defendant, uh, as a co-conspirator on that indictment if and when it comes out. Because I do believe that Marcus Barney in the end is going to get indicted by the feds. I do believe that. Now, granted, I will say that Marcus Barney did put out a video apologizing for the Navy federal comment, but bruh, 
your apology, let me tell you what I think about your apology. It's worthless. You got comfortable on the podcast. You was feeling yourself. You thought you was cut like that, right? You thought you was talking to a whole bunch of people that didn't know any better, right? And you got to talking freely. You showed everybody who you are and what you're about. And as Maya Angelou said it best, when a person shows you who they are the first time, believe them. Believe them. So, sir, I believe you. I believe that you are perpetuating fraud. I believe that you are a fraud. I believe that you are a scammer. That's what I believe. I believe that you are a current practicing scammer. That's what I believe based on what I saw in your video. So your apology means nothing because we already know who you are. That apology only came because people getting on your head now. Pocket watching with JT ethered you. Now I'm ethering you. See what I'm saying? People of credible standing are ethering you now. So you decided to come out and issue an apology and try to make it sound like it's something that it wasn't. No, you said what you said, bro. You said what you said. Lastly, let's get on the million dollars worth of game. So everything that I said about uh, uh, earn your leisure applies to you too, Gilly. It applies to you too. You gonna be a co-conspirator too if you get in PC. If you are collecting money, even if he paid you to get on the podcast, if that money came from fraudulent means and you put him up there to perpetuate a fraud, right? And you ain't shut it down and you kept having him on again and again and again, sir, you're going to be a co-conspirator in the indictment. And here's the crazy thing about Gilly. And you know, like, so for y'all who've been following me for a while, you know that I did a little fair time too. I did fair time. Absolutely. Right. And I talk about that. And while what happened to me was really unfortunate, it sucked. It was messed up. It shouldn't have gone that way. But it did. And one thing about it, when and this is why even post all of that, I've been able to find the level of credibility that I found and been able to, you know, have people um, from Wall Street, you know, want, welcome me in. It's why the types of doors open for me that open for me, because I proved that in the worst case scenario, when things go left, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. Right. People that are real, they don't have to tell you they're real. Gilly the Kid walks around talking about how real he is all the time. This is what I think of Gilly the Kid. And Gilly, Gilly the King, Gilly the Kid, whatever, I'm going to tell you straight up, right? So real recognize real and real recognize fake too. I think that you just a dude with a big mouth that ain't really cut like that. I think that, you know, you walk around talking about how real you are, how stand up you are and how all of that. But to be truthful with you, I think that when that pressure come on, if you get indicted, for this foolery and messing with him 500, this Marcus Barney dude, if you get his idea, I think you're going to fold faster than a lawn chair with loose screws. And I think you'll cooperate. I think when you realize the amount of time that you can get for doing this, right, for participating in this and, and perpetuating this, I think you're going to fold like a lawn chair with loose screws. That's what I think. I see many like you, right? I see many people come and go like you who you know, they, they come in, they talk that tough Tony stuff. And next thing you know, they walking back and forth to court. They keep going to court because they're over there snitching and cooperating. I think it's in your character, bro. I think that's the cloth you cut from. I'm going to just keep it a whole hundred with you. I think that when that fair pressure get on you, I think that you're going to fold like a lawn chair with loose screws. That's what I think. I'm just putting it out there. That's what I think. See, because here's what you got to understand, right? So, and this is the last thing I want to cover, right? Because I covered everything, but this last part right here. So when the feds come to indict you for a white collar crime, right, they can charge you for actual loss and intended loss. So I want you to know they can charge you for actual loss and intended loss. What is actual loss? Actual loss is the money that people actually paid you uh, and gave you uh, while you were committing the fraud. Intended loss is the amount of money that could have been lost uh, based on all the people you were trying to reach out to. 
So let me give you a good example of what I mean by intended loss, right? So his course costs $3,497. Currently on Instagram, he has 286,000 followers. If I take $3,497 times, times 286,000, right? What I find is that that's over a billion dollars in loss, right? In, in potential loss, right? Intended loss. He could be hit for all of that, right? Because he's perpetuating fraud on a regular basis uh, to that audience uh, through social mediums. Every time he gets on a podcast, however many followers they have, they're all responsible collectively for that intended loss. So the, the, the Department of Justice, a, a U.S. attorney's office can actually charge him for the actual loss and the intended loss. And buddy, when you're talking about those kind of numbers in the feds, I don't care if you've never been charged before, bro, you're doing well over 20 years. You're facing well over 20 years, right? Under the United States sentencing guidelines. And I think when you see that level of pressure and that level of, of, of problems, I think all of y'all gonna tell, I think Marcus Barney will do whatever he can to save himself. You know, they say there's no honor amongst thieves. I just want you to know that they say there is no honor amongst thieves. There is no loyalty amongst thieves either. And trust me, I've seen several of you similar type of people, you know, during my little unneeded, unwanted, un, un, unplanned, all expense paid vacation to the feds. See many of y'all, like, and I see many of y'all cooperate. What I learned in the feds, is that people that are stand up and real that don't cooperate with the authorities are a rare breed. I learned that I was a rare breed in there. I learned that more people than you know actually cooperate. Whether they do it out loud or in secret, they cooperate, they snitch. But it's all in the paperwork, it all comes out in the paperwork. I think Marcus Barney would do whatever he could to save himself. I think Gilly the Kid would do whatever he could do to save himself. I think the Arnie Leisure Boys would do whatever they could do to save themselves if they, if they all get wrapped up in a conspiracy indictment. And I think that's a possibility. I really do think that's a possibility. Anyway, y'all, that's all I have for y'all today. I just wanted to break this down. You know, you know, I, I, I you know, I mean, I wanted to break it down like Legos for y'all. So I hope that you know y'all enjoyed this podcast. I hope y'all learned some things. I hope I broke it down very clearly. I'm definitely gonna amend the description to drop some links in there so you guys can go ahead and save those links to do your own vetting and due diligence on people in, in the financial industry. Hey, listen, y'all, I appreciate y'all. So go ahead and, you know, if you like this content, you like what I'm doing, you like what I put out here, go ahead and hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification. Definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this video. Oh, hold on. Before I get into that, yo, before I end this podcast, wait a minute, because I already know how y'all going to roll. Earn your leisure, million dollars worth of game. The boys over there, Gilly the Kid and his little compatriot. I know what y'all going to do. Y'all going to try to make a video. So I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, first and foremost, I ain't going back and forth with y'all. I said what I said and I stand on it. You got a problem with it? Hey, the courts are open now. What's good? So I want to put that out there, right? We can go to whatever level you want to go to. Because remember, I'm a veteran and I ain't tell you what I did in the military because I ain't a bragger like that. But hey, check this out. We take it to whatever level you want to take it to. I'm with it. Hey, I'm with it. So I don't want to put that out there for the record. Hey, but the other thing is, I know what y'all going to do. Y'all going to try to make videos now. Oh, he went to prison for conspiracy to commit wire fraud, blah, 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 blah. First of all, I've well disclosed this. It's in all my bios because I'm very transparent and accountable, right? Because see, in the finance industry, we learned that transparency and accountability is paramount. So it's not a secret. I'm not hiding it. Anybody that's been following me for a long time already knows that. I wrote a blog about it. There's been articles since that time has been over with that have been written about it. 
to, you know, that have really taken a look at the situation and, and really see how messed up it really is. So there you go there. But more than more importantly, and, and I'll reference you to my uh, message to the hater video that I did. So I'll reference y'all to that. That applies to y'all. And, 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 and the other thing I want to say is, see, person like me, right? I'm in a unique perspective, right? I have a unique perspective because not only do I have the credentials, not only do I have the experience, the credibility, the track record, but I've also seen the other side of this too, right? So I have a unique perspective on both sides of it. So me, I understand federal law intimately well, right? So, and who better if you want to just go on and ride with the narrative of, oh, he went to prison for X, Y, and Z. Great, cool. Ride with that narrative. Okay, if that's the narrative you want to take, because people are going to believe whatever they want to believe. I don't care one way or the other. I just want you to know, though, that if that's the narrative you're going to run with, I need you to know that if that's the narrative, hey, bruh, who better to know you than one that's already been there and done that? Ah, make it make sense, baby. So I ain't tripping one way or the other, because I don't hide nothing, baby. And who I am today and what I do today, I mean, if I was really that kind of person, I doubt very highly I'd be writing it. I'd be a contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. I doubt very seriously that I'd be the vice chair for the uh, National Action Network Second Chance Committee. I doubt I very seriously I'd be sitting on the board for Our Women in Politics. Um, yeah. So, you know, just the small little things like that that I'm doing currently, right? Currently. If I was, you know, what they tried to paint me to be, I doubt very seriously I'd be doing those things. But anyway, I just want to put that out there for the record. So that way, you know, put that in your peace pipe and smoke that, baby. Anyway, listen, y'all. I appreciate y'all. Uh, everybody who listened, I hope y'all learned something. I hope this was beneficial for y'all. And if y'all like this content, go ahead and hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell notification. Definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this video. Let me know what you think. And don't forget, if you are an Android user, hit that join button. If you are an iPhone user, hit the link in the description or the link that will be pinned at the bottom of this video so you can join the hashtag Real Woke Live Chat community and be eligible to participate in a hashtag Learn to Earn Cash giveaway where I'm giving away a minimum of $1,000 every single month. I gave away $1,000 last month. It was great. That was the first time that I did it. I was very excited about that. And I definitely want to give more. So uh, definitely join the hashtag Real Woke Live Chat community. Hey, guys, I appreciate y'all. Everybody that supports me, I, I definitely appreciate y'all. Because of y'all, thank you guys so much. Channel is definitely growing. And, and I definitely appreciate all of you guys, okay? For y'all who don't support me. Yo, what you waiting on, baby? Get there. Uh, all right, y'all. With that, with all of that said, hey, man, until the next uh, podcast, hashtag Get Real Woke podcast episode. Yo, I'm out.